0: We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical.
1: Just one more thing.
0: Hey now! Oh boy.
2: Holy Mechanical Armies! Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did.
1: <laughs> you wanted to be one way. What is the other way?
0: What are these days? Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that,
2: but of course I couldn't possibly comment.
0: Bertie Hellens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening.
2: Hello and welcome to the Televerse, Sound On Sight's TV podcast. This is Kate Kalsick and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going?
1: Well, I just eliminated cream and sugar for coffee for my diet, so I'm a little bit cranky. But... Ruh-roh. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it'll it'll happen.
2: I need to I need to get on the uh, Simon approach to start. I mean I I don't want to pick up smoking so that I can drop smoking and replace it with salad, but I need to find some other way to to something else to switch for salad. Maybe the desire to rewatch episodes of Doctor Who I've seen ten times already. So Maybe. when I when I want to watch extra Doctor Who, I instead eat a salad.
1: The the thing is though that my brain relies on on things like positive negative reinforcement and other other approaches that I invented and can't really explain to people who don't have my messed up brain so <laughs> you're, you're probably going to have to find your own way way, way to muddle through.
2: Okay I'll, I'll I'll figure it out I'll let you know if I come up with anything anything interesting or new. Um, we have a lot of fun TV talk coming ahead we were fortunate to talk with Randy Dankovich from Process Media and of course also from Sound On Sight about the American season one that'll be at the end of the show and uh, also this week we on the Game of Thrones podcast over at Sound On Sight we had Mo Ryan on from Talking TV with Ryan Ryan. And, of course, she's the TV editor for Huffington Post. That was a lot of fun.
1: And she wasn't there to talk about Mad Men, right?
2: She was not there to talk about Mad Men. She was there to talk about Game of Thrones. And it was a lot of fun. Um, so you should check that out. That should already be on the feed. Also this week, I was a guest on Masterpiece Cinema. They did a two-part uh, memorial episode uh, about, of course, the, their co-host, Michael Ryan, who unfortunately passed away recently. I was very glad to be able to to contribute to that, and you guys should check it out if you are familiar with Mike at all, because it was it, it was lovely to listen to, and um, I was very glad to be involved with that. So that, you know, some of the stuff that went on this past week, anything new at Sound on Sight? Uh, nothing out of the ordinary.
1: Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of reviews, film and TV related. Uh, it's Elia Kazan month, so I'm going to take this opportunity to... Hopefully, see uh, more of his stuff than I already have. Uh, it, it, as far as you, I, I don't know what what Kazan you've seen, Kate, but I highly recommend that you check out Baby Doll. So that's Interesting. Movie. Have you seen Splendor in the Grass?
2: I have not. I've seen some of his work. Uh, of course, on the on the waterfront is a big one, but uh, but no, I, I have not seen enough. I I, have, I always have trouble with Kazan because you know of the whole blacklist thing. But, you know, it's like with, with some of these other people, you know, and I, you notice it with going back with, with, with classical music, which obviously is my profession. um, Some of these composers, you just actually want to stop finding out stuff about them so that you can appreciate (laughs) their work more. Uh, And so that's this kind of similar thing. He he was obviously a difficult uh, person to, to really respect but the guy cl- clearly knew how to direct a movie, so I look forward to reading some of the articles you guys put up this this month. Uh, there's a lot there's a lot coming for TV for for next month. Um, we're doing TV pilots, and there's a lot coming. It's going to be fun.
1: It's going to be ridiculous. It
2: is. Uh, but let's talk about some of the feedback we got this week. We heard from Brian and Sectos at the website. Thank you guys so much for listening and leaving your thoughts. Brian gave me a hard time about uh, calling Dollhouse hard sci fi, and he was right. I did not use the term correctly. Um, hard sci fi references sci fi that is based in strict fact, based in actual, you know, real science as opposed to a more imagined, uh, more imagined science, like you said, mindy windy in dollhouse Uh, also he said that his his favorite part of dollhouse was whiskey and boyd so i'm glad you enjoyed those scenes uh and neither of them wanted to have more humor on dollhouse so you can you can read what they had to say at the website and i had a, a brief reply to them there too also on twitter let's see game of thrones talk with scott ken ricky ryan and randy josh randy and Les and i talked some cars and the craziness of that of that world i know you have thoughts on that
1: Oh, well, yes. I mean, it's it's clear that the Cars universe is, can only be. I, mean, I don't even know how we got on the subject, but uh, the, the Cars universe can only exist if it's a dystopian future. Uh, you know, I would say uh, about two centuries after Cars became sentient, rose up, and killed all humans.
2: That would explain the cup holders.
1: <laughs> it would.
2: It would. Um, we talked. I talked with Mario, who, of course. We will have more to say about Mario in our Amazing Race segment, Doff the Capser. But he loved Gina Torres on Hannibal last week, just like we did, and liked her very much on Suits, so that was fun to talk with him. Ken, Trekkie and Trekker. Uh, Let me know what the deal is with that, because my only exposure to the Trekker phenomenon is the documentary Trekkies, which I love. I love that movie. Um, So uh, I don't know if I have enough information on that. I hope I didn't. Offend you or anything by saying I don't like the label trekker, but i I can i you know I, th- I feel like there's more for me to learn about that, so I would appreciate a fill in I would call myself a trekkie. But I would like to know more about this whole debacle, so please let me know. Talked with Kim about Doctor Who, who who likes the term perfidious as much as I do. It's such a a wonderful term. We'll talk about Who a little later. Also talked Who with uh, Corey, Karina, Kyle, and Amanda. Uh, Beth's favorite opening credits, which is something we asked last week, Uh, are Doctor Who and then Dallas. And uh, talked a little with Eric about Reddit, which I still do not fully understand the world of Reddit. I'm dipping my toes in the water. I jumped in a while and got burned. So now I'm trying to take a slower approach. So if you guys have any Reddit advice for me, I would appreciate it.
1: Oh no, you didn't walk into the wrong subreddit. Did you?
2: No, I just, uh, I, I got labeled as a spammer because I posted like two things in the course of two or three days from, from sound on site without posting a bunch of other stuff. So I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I have to figure it out. It's, it, it they're really quick. If they feel like you're just trying to use them, they will turn on you like that. And I'm not trying to do that, but I don't know how to get Reddit to forgive me. Uh so, <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out, trying to make sure I don't piss off the community. Um but we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. So I can
1: offer them some scantily clad selfies if it'll help.
2: I feel I feel like there needs to be some sort of like sacrifice to the altar of the internet. Gods to to appease them for my my sins uh, as it were on Reddit but we'll see what happens with it let's uh let's get into our weekend in TV though because there's a bunch of oh I should also mention uh, the make Kate watch stuff poll uh, was a three way tie this week and I watched all the things that won but uh, I I figured I should establish that is not going to be what happens in the future in the future if it is a tie I will pick there's a new poll up. And uh, let's see, we have Adventure Time, Hemlock Grove, The Middle, NCIS, and Dancing with the Stars. So, have fun deciding what I should watch over on Facebook. And uh, with that, let's get into our our week in TV, and let's start out with comedies.
0: Ah, we
2: did it! You know what? I am gonna spit. (sighs) (laughs)
1: Hey, I'm glad we ditched. That was fun.
2: Me too. Let's do it again sometime. Like, maybe when you're old and senile, I'll close the restaurant and come spring you from the nursing
0: home. What?
2: Sorry, I didn't want to do it, but Gene and Tina put you in a nursing home, and not one of the nice ones either.
0: No, you said you'd be running the restaurant.
2: Oh, no, I was just saying... You're
0: taking over the family business?
2: (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: Ha! Admit it. You look up to me.
2: No! Oh, you are ruining our perfect
0: right now. Oh my god, am I your hero? Oh, sick!
2: <laughs> this week there was so much comedy. <laughs> that happened cuz uh, some of the other shows we watched came back and uh, a few others finished up and so this was like our last week of crossover. We had on New Girl, Virgins, Mindy Project Triathlon, the pilot to Family Tools, Community Heroic Origins, Parks and Rec finale, Are You Better Off? Happy Endings, Deuce Baby Love 2, Electric Baby Deuce, and the finale <laughs> Brothers and Sisters. You gotta love, you gotta love their titling at Happy Endings. We had the pilot to Marin on IFC, Internet Troll. We had Bob's Burger's Carpe Museum and Veep the Vic Allen Dinner. Also, uh, you guys made me watch Ma- Modern Family and The Big Bang Theory because it was a, there was a tie there. So, quickly, a few thoughts about those two. I continue to be uh, not impressed with Big Bang Theory. Fortunately, this week this was the Proton Resurgence. Bob Newhart showed up and uh, saved the episode for me. But the other part of the episode, the subplot with Wallowitz, uh, you know, and and the dog. The dog was adorable, of course, but. Uh, it was it was sort of like a countdown until the till we had a racist joke and then that that happened, and then uh we had the countdown in the a plot to the let's make fun of someone for knowing less than we do, which happened rather spectacularly in the end ending bits of the episode. I just I I want to like the Big Bang Theory in general, or I used to want to like the Big Bang Theory before I got burned too many times, because there are a lot of really talented people there, but. I only laughed at some of the Bob Newhart stuff. I didn't really laugh at anything else in the episode, and I couldn't even really like the Bob Newhart character when he just kept making fun of Penny, who didn't, who they made an idiot for the purpose of the episode. But you know, even though she was trying to help, and you know, she was she was well intentioned, but saying stupid things, and so they made fun of her, and that's not what I need to watch on my TV. I'd rather watch some people who are not jackasses and only happy to spend time with, with Penny because she's hot and blonde. So, uh, anyways, I, I, I was not a big fan of this Big Bang Theory, but it could have been much worse, and uh, I get why other people like it, but it's not for me. Modern Family, uh, I thought, was a more entertaining episode. Rob Riggle shows up, but the, you know I, I've yet to see anyone use Rob Riggle to his full potential. I feel like they just kind of always cast him as the jerk, the, the jock kind of jerk character. I'm kind of still waiting for that to you know, for, for him to get the right vehicle, but I, I do enjoy him in general, and at least they didn't make uh, Cam and Mitchell as annoying as they have at, at times. I really want to see those two as a loving, supportive couple, and they just aren't. But, you know, then again, m- many of the other couples on the show aren't particularly loving and supportive either, so I don't know why I have ex- extra expectations for them. This episode, I, I did actually enjoy some of the stuff with, um, with, with, with the Dunfees, and we'll talk a little bit on, I mean with amazing race about my thoughts on, on moms on television. And I don't think that there's enough respect given a lot of the time to somebody who's a stay at home mom. And this kind of plays with that a little bit, this episode, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if I check in again, this, I, I it didn't feel like I was burned. I felt like I was kind of burned on big bang theory. I was mostly pleased with the time I spent with modern family. So at least there's that the next up family tools, pilot, just a few words uh you didn't watch this one i don't think
1: i had not even heard of it until you listed it in the show list for this week
2: <laughs> well it, yeah basically that's it's a pretty accurate review it's it's not very memorable and when you have jk simmons as one of your main ca- uh, actors and you are a rather forgettable comedy that's that's kind of saying something because he's so fantastic but you know it's it's not, uh, it's not mean spirited. It's not, uh, you know, I, I wasn't offended or angered by this pilot like I have been by an unfortunate number of comedy pilots over the past year or two. Um, it just it doesn't quite come together. Maybe it could come together and be more memorable and interesting down the line. I think they, they do have some good components there, but for now, there's nothing to make me want to tune in next week so. Mostly forgettable, I guess I would say. It's nice to see a middle class, though, another middle class family, and that's you know very much what this is. It's a it's a family business and a small company, and it's nice to see that perspective, you know, again. So there, at least, there's that. Uh, let's move on to Marin. The pilot aired, internet troll, and the second episode was put out on on YouTube, I believe, which is Dead Possum. Yes. Did you watch both or just the the premiere?
1: I watched both and I actually thought the second episode was quite a bit better than the first one, uh, Internet Troll. I, I thought that uh the only really uh amusing part of the first episode I think is when Dave Foley and Mark Maron finally confront the d the D'ers, which uh but there was there was some there was some problems there. But then, you know, they they had some fun playing with with Dave Foley in that scene. That that worked. Uh, the rest of the episode was was a, a real miss. The second, did you see the second episode? I did. Uh, which to me felt a lot w- felt a lot like uh, legit. Actually, I don't know if that was just me, but it had very much the same kind of slightly uh, the same kind of sincere vibe to it that I thought worked a lot better. Uh, it wasn't necessarily all that funny, but I thought it had a, a few sort of almost winning moments, and it did. And it did, didn't feel as sort of try hard as the pilot does. So, I think that's a better way forward for them. But either way, I I think that people who are uh, really into uh, WTF with Mark Marin, I I feel like they're going to be expecting something a little bit. Better. More cutting
2: edge. Yeah, uh, I would agree. And I have—I you know, don't listen to WTF regularly, but I do have about a hundred of them sitting on my computer because yeah. I'm not willing to unsubscribe. But I don't have time to catch up on it. And I just and there's some future point I will I will have some free di- time and I will be able to catch up and it will be awesome. But until then, unfortunately, I, I do not listen every week. I did. I do love the show though when I when I do listen and. The Dave Foley episode is one of the best is and most interesting and I also enjoyed listening to Dennis Leary on the podcast. And so when I see Dave Foley's gonna be on this episode, and it's roughly based on Mark Marin and maybe the podcast and these other things, I'm expecting way better than what we get here. I wouldn't I would actually say the, the issues that I have with the pilot are not anything to do with Dave Foley. I actually really enjoyed him. I think he's very watchable. Um, even if if it's a nothing kind of heightened version of of himself or or whatever he's playing at least I enjoyed watching him on on the screen. I had problems w- with mark Maron. I didn't think he was enjoyable to watch um you know it just it's, it's such an he has such a neurotic uh energy, but I don't know I feel like and other people have said this so I don't mean to just parrot them, but I really feel like maybe this is something where Marin writes. The show, or figure you know, it directs you know, the, the direction of the show, but somebody else plays that character and does it more interestingly. Because I, I didn't feel like he was very comfortable in that central performance. You know, if you're going to compare it to something like Louis, Louis CK has really grown as an actor over the, the three seasons of his show, but even he felt more comfortable on screen than, than Marin does for me in this. Do,
1: I see where you're coming from. I, I think I have more of a problem with the interactions that he writes with himself with for for other people. Like for instance, the scene in, in the cafe with his ex-wife who's pregnant. And yeah. Just, I don't know if those. I don't know if that sort of setup really plays to his strengths. Like in the scenes where he's just sitting alone in his garage talking, like sort of monologuing, he seems perfectly comfortable, mm-hmm. and those are the best scenes, especially of, of the pilot. Uh, But when he sets up these, you know, dramatic confrontations that are so contrived, I I don't think he's really, first of all, I don't think it's a good scene. Mm -hmm. And second of all, I don't think he's really equipped as a performer to do that very well.
2: Well, Marin, the podcast WTF is at its best when it's, it's most truthful. And so I don't know that at least right now that he's particularly good at the, the extra layer of artifice that's. You know, so like when it's just him talking, if like you said, he's he has much more experience with that since it's basically a camera on him while he does his podcast. But yeah, when he has to interact with the other actors, it's not not as good. I wasn't, you know, I, I don't know, I I don't know what I expected from from Marin. I don't know that I really came in with baggage on it, other than I really wanted to like it. Um, but I was definitely disappointed. I don't know that I'm gonna tune in unless I hear that it gets particularly better
1: i i i I hope it gets better and i i do i do think like I said the second episode is better than the first mm-hmm. um like considerably, but I also don't think the first is very good at all uh i'll I'll keep an ear to the ground i there are some interesting people cropping up on it later in the season, so maybe i I feel like it's the sort of season that might produce one or two solid or noteworthy episodes, but I think it's gonna take a while to find its feet. I assume it's gonna be around a while because he's I mean, I I can't really see it not doing well, but just based on the branding. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm 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 hoping it improves a lot because I I I I think that there's something there, but I just don't think it knows how to access the goodness yet.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. So let's move on to Parks and Rec, which had its finale. Are you better off? We have a, a somewhat return of of election drama, and I think that's probably a good move for next season. What do you think?
1: I think it is a good move, uh, but I wasn't that impressed with the finale, to be honest. Uh, certainly not as much as some other people were. I feel like the, my whole problem with the show now is summed up in the last few seconds of, of the episode, where, um, of course, Ron finds out that he's going to be a dad, which is a fine direction for them to go with that great. But then they just have to cut to Andy, like, going, like, you can't see the mugging I'm doing, <laughs> but, like, looking straight into the camera going, what? And it's like, uh like, do we really need the mugging for that scene? Like, I it's like a fine scene without it. Exactly. You that I feel like that's the dividing <laughs> line. You either like the mugging or you're tired of the mugging. And I'm kind of tired of the mugging. It's not the only problem, but it's sort of indicative of where I'm at with Parks these days.
2: Okay, fair enough. I liked the through line of Burt Macklin. I was glad to see the character back. And also because it did feel like it felt like a return to Burt Macklin rather than a backtrack on Andy's progression past that. You know, it felt like Andy going, "Oh, let's just have some fun with it," as opposed to getting, you know, undoing the progress he had made by putting that persona aside, right? Uh, which was well handled. That could have been an issue for me. I th- I thought that through line was great throughout the episode, and uh, I don't know. I I feel like you have to cut to to Andy's reaction. You at least have to see it. And if he's over in the corner reacting the way that Andy should, in that you know when he finds that information out, then. it would be incredibly distracting to have this big comedic reaction on one side of the frame and on the other side, you have this really dramatic beat from the other two. I don't know. I felt like that wouldn't work. So would you rather Andy just had not been in the room? Uh,
1: Probably. I mean, I would have just liked to have ended with Ron's face.
2: Oh, to end with Ron? Yeah. Fair enough. Um,
1: Or or, or, I don't know. Just the... the, I, I just feel like they're there there's an effort in this episode i think to re-inject some stakes for next season which is a good idea but i don't know if it's going to be enough for me to to get the show back to its glory days
2: we'll see i just certainly am interested how they'll handle uh april being off at uh at iu
1: also the guy ripping off w- rent a swag has to be dennis feinstein right it's gotta
2: be feinstein yeah
1: yeah it's the only guy that makes any sense
2: that'll be that should be fun for next season too and i think that was a, that was a good call i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens but uh i definitely like this bit more than last week and i think a lot of the, the moves that they make over the course of the episode should set us up for a more promising season than what we've had this year yes the other finale we should talk about is Happy Endings. Do we want to talk about both episodes or just the finale?
1: I'd I prefer to focus on the finale because I, I feel like I actually, as a finale, I actually liked it a little bit better than Parks. I thought that the way that they resolved the, the whole um, Alex and Dave thing was really low-key and I thought quite sweet in ways I wasn't necessarily expecting. Uh, so that was good. I assume, well, I mean, we don't even know if the show is going to exist again. It's... Its ratings are dismal, but there's talk of it being picked up by TBS. I don't know what that's about or if that's going to happen. It would be nice if it did. Um, But I I just thought that was a really nice way to handle that plot in general.
2: Yeah, I I agree that just sort of having it fall apart off screen. I think that makes I, I don't know that it it reminded me, unfortunately, of Sports Night. And no, you need to go date other people because you haven't. And then we can go out. That horrible, horrible uh, it didn't feel, story line. It didn't
1: feel nearly that contrived, though.
2: Yeah, it was a better version of that, but... Yeah.
1: It was a way better version of that.
2: I, I wish they hadn't left the door open, though, to them just getting back together a season down the line cuz i I, just, I don't know because the show has seemed to seed so completely this this underlying notion of penny and dave or penny really liking dave when they first have penny's engagement fall apart or you know end very quickly and then have have alex and dave break up it just feels like they're trying to stick to that forever couple regardless of what the other elements of the show need yeah, I don't know.
1: I I don't even think of happy endings as being a show that thinks about forever couples to the same degree that other sitcoms do. I yeah, mean, I guess it, it's there in the background, but but ninety five percent of the time they're focused on antics, yeah. uh, which is what the show's good at. It, it kind of feels like it 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 nods to those other things just because it sort of has to. Uh, or feels like it has to and so i i, I don't know I, it's, it's sort of like i guess that makes it like the sitcom equivalent of the good wife like they ha- they have to deal with the couple stuff the beginning and end of every season the rest of the time they can do court cases or board games or you know wh- whatever they they need to do to get to get by on a weekly basis
2: we, we can't talk about this finale though and not talk about stephanie march as the eldest uh sister
1: yeah where have i seen her before
2: you've seen her before on law and order svu
1: Right.
2: Probably yes. several other things, but Stephanie March was pretty much the best uh DA or ADA that Law & Order any of them has put out. I would put her above Jack McCoy. That's how much I like uh her performance Ooh, on on Law & Order. They are. I and I look forward to a future Law & Order DVD shelf so we could talk about some of this stuff, but I have I have way too many thoughts about Law and Order. Anyways, back to happy ending. I thought that was like because you know the whole time you're watching that opening scene, you're like, okay, who are they going to bring in? Who are they going to cast as the eldest sister? And that was just perfect casting.
1: Yeah, because you're expecting like like a you're expecting someone more more famous, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're thinking, oh, you know, it's a big role. It's like a one time thing. It's no. Instead, they go with someone who's recognizable but not. But they're just there because they're the right person, not because they had a good get.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I still I don't know that they needed to add in a third sister. It felt very strange actually. But at least you know if they're gonna do that, they did it really well.
1: Yeah, and I, I love the whole dynamic between the three of them, especially with. I feel like if you're gonna do, uh, this is sort of an aside, I guess, but because you you were talking about this with Big Bang Theory, if you're gonna do uh, a, a a dumb blonde character, I feel like i i i feel as though um happy endings has shown us the right way to do it
2: yeah yeah it, well and and you know they they have fun with the character because they they let her be goofy or st- uh, just dumb <laughs> some t- from time to time and oh she's
1: outright dumb yeah but, there's, but, there's no getting around it
2: but they also don't talk down to her they don't belittle her they go oh you really don't know stuff but there's never a sense that they are judging her for that or that they dislike her or that they value her less as a person
1: yeah exactly no uh, i feel like that's if you're gonna do it that's that's the way to do it and i think cuthbert's been uh, if anything underrated yeah and so yeah I'm, I'm hoping the show comes back if only because i think it's one of the more consistently funny live action series around period even if like you say some of the dramatic stuff in as much as the show even wants to do that at all is a little bit on the creaky side
2: yeah, yeah, I agree. I would really like to see Happy Endings come back. If nothing else, I'm very glad to have gotten these three seasons or two and a half, whatever you want to call it. I think it would make for a wonderful pairing with Cougar Town, and I think you could do a a less expensive version. The limiting factor would be the cast. It's a big cast, and not just is going to cost money, but I think there's a TBS version of this show, so I hope it comes back. But if not, thank you very much to all involved at Happy Endings. It's been wonderful to have some actual screwball comedy on my TV every week, and you will be missed if the show does not come back. What is the highlight of the week for you? I know we didn't talk about all the different comedies. What's the standout? Um,
1: I'm leaning towards uh, either New Girl or Veep. They're kind of like neck and neck. I mean, Veep was probably more consistent for me. Some, some of the some of the bits of New Girl I didn't really need, but yeah, I'll go with Veep. It's, it's the boring answer, but it's also the correct one.
2: Okay, uh, I liked... Like New Girl, like Mindy, I liked uh, Community a lot actually this week, uh, much better than last week. Bob's was good, Beep was good. I don't know, it was a it was a pretty solid but not outstanding week for comedy for me. Um, I guess I'll give it to New Girl. For the way that they, I mean, it was very telegraphed, but the, the handling of the final eventual, at least they finally got around to it. Uh, Jess and, and Nick coupling, I think was pre- was pretty good um it's it's just
1: really too bad about that fatal STD she got from it <laughs> that we're gonna deal with next week
2: yeah that's and that she could just, be
1: replaced by the she, actual new girl Lizzie Kaplan
2: she's not gonna get recast it's, it's, never, gonna happen. it's, gonna it's never gonna happen it's
1: gonna happen never gonna happen happen
2: okay with if that I say it often enough let's take a break and come back with our week in genre ah,
1: me. don't talk Jenny 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 Jenny
0: Jenny just
1: when you think you my
2: favourite block-picking
0: Victorian claimer mate will never turn up. Jenny. <gasps> <sighs> you have no idea how good that feels. <sighs>
2: This week we had uh, Game of Thrones, The Climb, and Vampire Diaries, She's Come Undone, Orphan Black, Variations Under Domestication, and Doctor Who, The Crimson Horror. Of course, as we said earlier, our Sound on Site Game of Thrones podcast with myself, Ricky, and this week Mo Ryan is already up on the feed. Simon, your review is up at Sound on Site, but for those who haven't read it, what did you think of The Climb?
1: I thought it was uh, quite good. Not as good as last week, uh, which I think was the best of the season so far. I thought, I didn't even mention this, but I, I thought the effects were really impressive uh i mean that's not an easy sequence to pull off the whole climb sequence but it was it was well done even if i didn't feel like either of those characters was really in danger um at least i i I didn't i never felt like that was going to happen um the i'm quite done with the whole theon torture thing like okay i get it like get you've been doing the same thing for six weeks i get it uh let's move on with that and uh I don't know. Lots. I have other things to say that are highly digressional in the review, so you can go check that out if you like.
2: On the Game of Thrones podcast, Ricky and I had a bit of a disagreement about one element to the episode, and I would love to know your thoughts. Did Brienne pick out that dress, or was basically all of her other clothes taken away and she was made to wear it?
1: Oh, uh, it, I I assume that she didn't pick
2: it out. Interesting, because yeah, there's. Uh, I would agree. I don't think. I think she was you know, told to wear it. Um, Whereas Ricky thought that it was a demonstration of her maybe lack of fashion awareness and that she thought it looked nice. You know, like there's some interesting... Various ways to read the character based on that. So I would love to hear what you guys think about that if you are listening. Um, of course, you can always email us or Twitter. We'll have all our contact information at the end. We would, I would I would love to get like a, a just a sampling of the audience. Let us know what you think. Um, let's move on to Vampire Diaries. She's come undone. Finally, one of the most aggravating elements of the season is is over. My review for Vampire Diaries is up at Send On You can check out my full thoughts there. I think I didn't even actually mention this in my review but I actually think Nina Dobrev did a really good job this week I think uh you know they gave her more to do like when the switch comes back on and she's back to regular you know again I thought when they give her something more interesting to do she's you know delivered for the most part and I think that's true here I actually uh thought that a lot of this episode was really effective um especially with Matt and with with Caroline I still have a lot of issues with this season and I was watching this episode kind of going, yep, this is good that they're doing this. It's good that they're doing that. However, I still think what it means for the season is not goodness. I think Silas has been overbuilt and can't possibly live up to. He's too powerful. It's what I talked about with the originals. Klaus can't be killed. I I think they've overbuilt Silas, but... um... Anyways, you can read my fuller thoughts there. Did you get to *Vapor Diaries this week?
1: No, uh, although I'm I'm thinking at this point I may only rejoin the season if they announce yeah. that Silas is going to be played by, like, Ian McShane or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> they get someone, like, impossibly badass for that role. I, You're right. I don't see how they can possibly make that work.
2: Yeah. So I did actually like this episode. I thought it was one of their best episodes in quite a while. Um. So it, it's kind of tricky. And there, the chase element was effective. I don't like Bonnie being somewhat buddy-buddy with Catherine, but at least Bonnie is under her own free will now. Elena's no longer sire-bonded or emotionless, so she can actually have her own Choice and agency again, so they 've kind of undone a lot of the problems that they established for themselves this season, but i just i 'm ready for it to be over i i, I want it I want to not it 's sad when it comes to Thursday, and I go, "Is there a vampire Diaries episode this week, and when there is, my heart sinks a little you know that's I want to love this show again. I used to love this show. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, some, some time away through the hiatus, I think, will make my heart grow fonder. So. It'll
1: be good for both of you. It'll be
2: good for both of us. Let's move on to Orphan Black variations under domestication. And uh, my sister just caught up with Orphan Black, so now we can watch it together. It's been nice. so much fun. It's so much more fun watching these uh, shows with a friend. Last week was a lot about Sarah. This week we got a lot more about Allison. And I was really glad for the extra time spent there. What do you think?
1: Oh, I thought it was a really fun episode. It was one of the it was one of the few episodes so far that felt a little bit episodic, which mm-hmm. was nice. You know, we got a, a change of focus and like a very clear time frame, uh, et cetera, et cetera, so that was nice to get. Um the the way everyone just converged on that house was really stressful. So uh, that that did everything that it was supposed to. Uh, I was very disappointed that Vic is still alive at the end of the episode um but you know them's the breaks very disconcerting very um very confusing to hear a mention of scarberia <laughs> on uh on a show that presumably people will be watching all over the world in some strange ways scarborough is becoming like some sort of genre tv touchstone right now uh it's it's really weird i, I, I can't get used to it but anyway um i'm still really enjoying the show and uh i'm hoping they don't um yeah, you know, we we get sort of another antagonist uh, uh, I guess showing up this week in the form of the 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 Neolution guy showing up, which I wish I'd looked up the definition of that word or if it's just a word they made up. Um but uh that could be interesting, but I'm I'm worried about a surplus of too many villains uh, if they start adding more of them.
2: Yeah, I really don't need more you know, more villains. I I, I think um I did have one issue with this episode, which is the ending with Donnie is too easy and I don't like it. Uh, So I I think if she hadn't gone as far as hot gluing him, which looked (laughs) like his chest looked so fucked up, you know, yeah, Uh, which was great. That's that's if she's going to hot glue him, his chest should look fucked up. But I don't know there. I don't like the level of um, codependency and. The like th- his reaction feels too battered wife, and I don't think that is a good thing for a character we're supposed to like and root for. You know, because that makes her the batterer. You know, I think I kind of liked
1: that actually. It was it wasn't really a dynamic I've seen before, uh, in in yeah. I mean, at least not from you know the male perspective. Uh, and I, I and I I didn't realize you know it, it's only established in this episode that they were like high school sweethearts, which makes a lot of things make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have that be an element also, and then to get this serious unpleasantness, I mean, it does make Allison a little bit dumb, to be <laughs> honest. To to for her to not think about that when she's considering it, yeah. But um, which I wasn't crazy about, but I did think that the, I'm curious to see where they go with it because I I just I do think it's it's. It's a very tricky place that I haven't seen a lot of other shows go to.
2: Yeah. It was nice to see Matt Fruer show up. Um he's one of those Canadian actors who's in everything and every he's in every genre show, right? Or at least every show that's on the sci fi channel at this point. Um and I always enjoy him. So when, as soon as he showed up as the Neolution guy, I was like, Oh, well, yeah, he's gonna be a recurring a
1: thing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's that's he's not going anywhere. Um so that was fun. But yeah, I'm hoping Vic better not show up again after this because then he, he just... He totally will. He needs to just die then because he's a freaking idiot. Yeah,
1: yeah, She saved I mean, his
2: life. She
1: she did. Uh, I mean, uh, on on some, like, horrible sick level, I, I do sympathize slash empathize with him, but I'd best not go on about that.
2: He's uh, he, an he abusive drug addict slash dealer. No, I don't. <laughs> do not sympathize. Yeah. But Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and they did not back down with Paul. They made Paul... Bad this week, yes. so I, that's interesting because I thought they were going to go like a uh, build up a relationship between him and Sarah, but he's no, clearly the... not a good dude. So that's a more interesting way for them to go.
1: Yeah, the the only it's it's clear at this point that the only even slightly uh, okay straight guy is um, is the partner who. Is. yeah ours. i guess we'll I, I guess we'll see him show up again soon but he wasn't even in the picture this week
2: and it was good to have some time off from him i think that was very and from all the cop stuff stuff and once again felix is amazing so love that <laughs>
1: yes yeah he was great and his his whole interaction with suburbia was fantastic
2: <laughs> just the the look was was great um let's move on though to doctor who and the crimson horror and uh I actually, I really like this episode, except for two things. The at last scene was terrible, and uh, that's just bad acting, not good writing, horrible photoshopping, just completely contrived. Really, if if I just cut that off and say the last scene doesn't exist, I think this is actually a really good episode. Hilarious. Dame Diana Rigg is amazing. Rachel Sterling's really good. Um, very fun. Lovely to have just a pulpy campy villain and just she's just psycho and it's great i have my review up at seven site except i really really don't like what the doc how the doctor behaves this week um in regards to jenny and i uh, i was re- watching uh on youtube there's a channel rich in space with this guy rich reviews doctor who um, he's doing the the new series now, but he also has like these videos about each of the different doctors, each of the different companions. It's a lot of fun. You should check it out. And he posted uh, his review this week, and he was really, really upset about what he perceives as misogyny in this episode. I don't necessarily agree with all of his points, but one of them I actually really agree with, agree with. It was giving me a hard time. I was trying to figure out why I didn't like one of you know the way the doctor was behaving this week, and I. And after watching that video and thinking about it more and watching it again, I figured it out, and it's because the doctor feels predatory towards Jane, uh, towards Jenny this week, and it really it really bothered me. So I'm curious what you think about the episode, just separate from that, because uh, if I just if I turn off that part of my brain, I love this episode. It's definitely the strongest episode of the entire season, but. If I think about some of the, you know, the what some of these scenes and what that means for Doctor Who and what that means for genre television and for our culture, I can't help but be troubled by it. So what do you think? Uh,
1: well, that's interesting. Uh, the episode itself, I didn't care about really. I mean, it's.
2: Oh, it was so fun.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It, it, there were a couple of chuckles, but it was pretty much it was a pretty boilerplate genre show plotline i think uh
2: what about like the flashback and it's all like old-timey with the organ grinder music that was
1: cool that was easily the highlight of the episode um but still i mean the plot itself i just didn't think was all that interesting um and, <laughs> and you didn't see it, but you just—but she just rolled her eyes at me, um, and uh, which is which is fine. Uh, and it was great to see Diana Rigg, as, and as we discussed, using her real accent for the, apparently the first time in her entire career, which is slightly insane. Um, but uh, I don't know—I didn't find the character that interesting or the plot, but. What what, what what I need to get back to this whole predatory issue because I mean when I'm thinking back on the episode and the, I, I remember I do recall being slightly put off by his handsiness.
2: Yeah, that's uh, is, what it is.
1: Is that okay? That's what I figured it had to be because he's he is quite he but he's all he's handsy in general, which I have which I always find weird.
2: Yeah, well, because and there are other. As I was thinking about the scene, and the specific scene that that gives me pause, is he gets un-Frankenstein and that was so much fun. By the way, I can't believe you didn't like that. That was so much fun when he's all Frankensteiny. <laughs> Anyways, so he gets unFrankensteined, and uh, and he's and he opens the door, and then he's like, "Woohoo! I'm uh, I'm not Frankensteiny," and then he and he dip dip kisses Jenny, um, and she slaps him, um, and he goes, "Okay, whatever," and goes off. Now the reason that 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 I had trouble with that uh, because he's kissed all their companions before and it's not particularly sexual is because, okay, so he opens the door, the door opens. He says, uh, he smiles, or whatever says, Jenny. And then he eyes her up and down. Like you watch him ogle her go yeah, up yeah, and down and right. up. And then he says, Jenny, Jenny, Jenny getting a more sexualized tone. Each time he says her name, then he runs off and, and clicks his heels and comes back, stops, eyes her again, Dips her, says Jenny in a sexualized tone again, and then kisses her, and it doesn't matter that she is not interested in him, him at all, is married, and uh, obviously does not want this to happen. It do- that doesn't matter because he wants to kiss her, and so therefore he gets to, and that's right. sexual assault. I mean, and so every time I think I was thinking about was like a reason that it wasn't a problem, I I was like I would like say think about something, and then I would. Sort of hear myself thinking it and go, well, that's bullshit. So
1: right, you realize you're making excuses, yeah.
2: Well, but it's his friend. Oh well, you know, most sexual assault happens with, between people who were friends. Oh well, but he's just really happy because he now because she saved his life. Oh, so if you're really happy, it's okay if you assault someone. Like all these different things. Yeah. You know. Well, he didn't really mean it. Oh, are you are you fucking kidding me? He didn't really mean it. Like, I don't know. C- help me out here what do you mean because i don't know if i'm just overreacting
1: what what am i meant to be helping you with it's i mean it, you're right it's it's absolutely uh bizarre i mean and, and i mean the only defense i can really think of is that it's clear that it's not their intent like it's they, they obviously don't mean for the for the doctor to come off oh let's just say rapey yeah uh, like it's not like he's not even really meant to be a sexual creature necessarily so, um, at least from what I understand. So, I mean, I guess that they're hoping that his otherworldliness gets them, like, means that there can't possibly be this sort of, uh, this, yeah. this sort of reading of it. Uh, or they're just not thinking about
2: well, it. Well, or, or, she, or she's a lesbian, so therefore, and he's, you know, so therefore it's okay. No, but that's,
1: that's... <laughs> I don't even think, I don't, I don't think the thought process got that far. I don't think there was a thought process. I don't think, um... I think they were they were too busy thinking about the conceptual, uh, you know, the the, the plot level of things and just the, I, th- I think they only think about the performance and the blocking, et cetera, et cetera, in as much as it reinforces the Doctor is wacky and entertaining. Mm-hmm. I don't think they think about the, the implications or, or the way people can, can read into things. I don't think yeah. that, that even is on their mind at all. Otherwise, if it was on their mind at all, it wouldn't have happened.
2: Yeah, well, and... and- that's, that comes down to, for me, um, the performance from Matt Smith. That comes down to the director. That comes down to the writing. But I do think there's maybe a way you can shoot that scene where it doesn't feel as rapey. Um, and also that comes down to the person who watched the edit and said, no, we need to use a different take. You know, Yes, they, I don't think it was an active intent. But I was reading people's comments on YouTube and there are people who are assault victims who are like, OK, now I can't watch Doctor Who because this was triggering PTSD for me. And I'm reading that going, clearly somebody at the BBC needs to be paying attention or not the BBC even, but somebody at Doctor Who needs to, you, you should be noticing these things. You shouldn't just be right. So that's why I was saying it was troubling me what it was said about. The showrunners that they don't even think about that because there's been a problem with the gender roles on this show for a while and the, the fetishization of like like we've because we've talked about the the manic pixie dream girlness of, of some of these different characters like Clara but I don't know sorry I've gone on way too long but no, no, no
1: it's it's all good we haven't even gotten to that shitty ending yet
2: yeah oh do we want to talk about the shitty ending uh, well I only want to you know you talked about photoshopping and all that and
1: like okay yeah sure that stuff was all bad um, but the thing that I'm mostly upset about is, oh, now we've got kids on the show. Like, really? <laughs> we need kids on the show. We need kids on the show. Is he going to molest them, too?
2: <laughs> well, I'm like, okay, it's obviously this is, a, this is a kids' show. It's a family show. It's intended for all ages and all audiences. And that's wonderful. I think that's a great thing. There's not enough television that is good for all audiences. Specifically, there's not nearly enough genre television that is good for all ages. However, she's got to be the worst fricking nanny in the world if she's going to let them come on an adventure with the doctor what has happened in her brief travels with the doctor nothing that you should be exposing children to not like it's not they're not possibly safe and so it's just i don't know i'm frustrated by that well
1: and it just promises an episode that's not that that doesn't really take any chances because there's gonna be kids around
2: and there's no way they're gonna kill kids so I don't know we'll see next week is a Neil Gaiman episode love Neil Gaiman yeah I'm not I'm way less excited about his episode now that I know that there are kids
1: <laughs> yeah
2: so this week it's it for, basically I imagine for you it comes down to orphan black or Game of Thrones
1: yeah and I'm gonna give it to Thrones uh, even though I, I it wasn't the best episode of orphan black but it was I mean Orphan Black so far has just been uniformly solid, pretty much. And I'm still waiting for that breakout episode where it's just like, holy shit, the show rules.
2: (laughs) Well, and there's only a few episodes left. So glad it's been renewed for next season.
1: It has, yes.
2: Let's see. This week, uh, I'm giving it to... I really like Supernatural this week, actually. I also watched Supernatural on Graham. But I'll give it to Orphan Black. I don't know. Vampire Diaries was good, too. Yeah because I'm not including Game of Thrones in this uh, and if it weren't for that one thing with Doctor Who it would be absolutely Doctor Who because I did love every other part of this episode but I'll give it to Over in Black All right
0: oh, Don't be unhappy Can't remember me I, and I saw you laughing If this world makes you crazy And you've taken me up, because you know I'll be there. And I'll see your truth and through. I see your truth
2: That was Michelle Chanuel singing True Colors on The Voice this week. So good. I was like speechless. The I watched it like 5 times the night that it aired. Uh, s- such an amazing performance. We'll talk I'll talk a little bit more about The Voice and also some American Idol, but first let's talk about the amazing Race finale and uh, da, 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 da. Mario, you win the pool with 101 points. Joe had 95. Kyle squeaking in 94. So real fight for second and third. Um, I had 34. I was in last place by almost 20 points. You're welcome, sir. You got sir. beaten
1: by a guy who did not even have an overall pick because he forgot to change it. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty not, not a great turnout for you. And actually, and I also realized that the, the, there was a week that I forgot to put in my points, and it was the week that Joey and Megan were eliminated, and mm-hmm. I would have given them all my points mm-hmm. uh, like I did every single week uh, so um, or almost every single week. So I, I, I m- might have been uh, – would that have helped me out at all?
2: Uh, yes, because you, you, if you had an extra 20 points, you would have been in fifth place. Hey, you would have knocked bad. out Dan and Mandy, jumped ahead so of them. What, so
1: what you're telling me is in reality, I'm in
2: No, place. The, no clown points.
1: <laughs> anyway, um, the, uh, but let's talk about, so congratulations to the winner. But uh, the actual finale, I think, just underlined uh, everything that was wrong with the season. And just uh, so many. First of all, I don't know, y- you've, you've argued that they got the bitchy edit. But in general, I'm, I'm not sure if Max and Katie are just bad people or if... We've only seen bad things from them, but I think the, just the way um, Katie like more, on more than one occasion refers to Max as an idiot, and their general disposition towards people just makes them seem horrible. I don't know if it's a matter of editing or just how they are.
2: Yeah, I don't know either. But I do. As soon as I started watching this week, and they did the previously on, and they showed. Like the only two or three bitchy moments that they've shown from those two all season, as opposed to the hilarious ones, like Max's just inability to contain his his laughter when the team got eliminated with the express pass, which oh, was yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Like they're they could you know as soon as I saw that I was like oh they're not gonna win because if they were going to win, they wouldn't be giving them the villain edit. And that's not to say that they don't deserve that, or that that isn't an accurate representation of them. I We have no no, no way of knowing what an accurate representation of these people are. But as soon as I saw that in the first few moments, I was like, well, I'm screwed, because I gave all my points to Max and Katie, and that is not going to happen. Whereas
1: I gave all my points to Bates and Anthony, who I'm, I'm glad out of these people that they won, because they at least have never been overtly horrible in ways that I can think of. They're just kind of inoffensive and, you know. Oh, they were so
2: annoying with the country girls. Oh my god, yeah, but uh they weren't they, offensive.
1: Yeah, they were a little annoying, but like not eh, yeah. I mean, nothing compared to Mona and Beth this week. <laughs> and how they're they're just mom they're not just moms.
2: Yeah. Oh god. Well, and that's something I've seen several different, you know, places when they have People who they describe as moms uh, and uh, as competitors on these kinds of shows, there's uh, eventually there's always a we're not just moms. Like, do you know what it takes to be a good stay at home mom? It's like it's or a re- not
1: stay at home or a
2: not stay. No matter what, to be a good mom is a full time job. It is really hard, and there's a lot of people who can't do it. So to be like we're not just moms. Like I hope that you are able to just be a mom because yeah, many like, maybe, many people maybe can't. Start with that.
1: Start yeah. with that and maybe think about doing some other stuff afterwards.
2: <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. I, I did like them. I, I think that's an easy thing to fall into. Or it, and really being, a, just a, being air quotes, just a mom is something that I feel is often very undervalued or also just a dad. I feel like that is, again, something very undervalued in our society. And so that might just be a hot button issue for me. But I, I can't remember
1: anyone ever saying they're just a dad. That's, like, that's not a, a phrase you hear. You only hear just a mom.
2: Yeah, you you don't yeah because you don't very you don't hear stay at home dad very much. You certainly no,
1: or or just like uh, you know Louis C.K. has gone gone out up, gone on about this a lot. Like people don't expect anything of dads. You know, yeah, like, if, you, if you just show up, you're the best dad ever. But people never say, <laughs> "Oh, I'm just a dad." Like it's not considered a full time job to be a good dad or to be a dad of any kind, uh, mm. even though it should. Yeah, and uh, yeah. But so there's all sorts of annoying stuff going on in this episode, and just and get, get when when we get the reunion with David and Connor, and it immediately starts with them. It's like, yeah, they were really the only people. There was any Pam was and nice Winnie. To, Pam and Winnie were were all right too, although they had some annoying moments as well. Um, but uh, yeah, would have been nice to have people we liked at all stick around for a while.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I do think though that the the waiting. The tables challenge was actually really good. Uh, I actually I thought that was one of the best challenges they've done because it required both intelligence and physical endurance. And that's something that this season has really struggled with, having something that requires, you know both thinking, you brain and brawn.
1: Whereas the bog swimming just looked horrible.
2: Oh, God, that did not look fun. Um, But the, and the other thing I'll I'll mention is the, because, of course, at the end of every one, they have some sort of a memory challenge. I thought that the way that they did it this time was really creative, actually. The giant ball pit, that could get, incredibly frustrating incredibly quickly um so i thought that was actually really creative and, and cool and,
1: and also i felt about five but when when max and katie were doing that challenge and then they agreed oh no katie would have been better, better equipped for this i went <coughs> <laughs> but you know i am five um anyway uh the oh and the the other max and katie thing i have to mention is when they think they're actually going to see the president oh my god and, and max is like oh i guess i could put my politics aside, like oh you are such a douche.
2: At least he that's, you know, his his reaction. At least his reaction is, you know, a majority of the of the the population voted this guy in. So he's my president. I know some people that wouldn't necessarily
1: even give him that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so that's the correct response to have. And I there were plenty of Democrats who were not having even that basic level of respect when Bush was in office. So it's not even like a, a left well, or right thing
1: the, the, you mean the second time, right?
2: Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Anyways, uh, we don't need to get into that. I- I'm definitely still in for next season. Are you going to join in on the next pool?
1: I don't know. Like I, I, like I said before, I'm going to wait and hear about the casting and see if, or or maybe even watch the first episode before I join in, because there's not really <laughs> that big a difference if you join in the first or the second week. Okay. And then see if it feels like it's going to be a group I'm engaged with or not.
2: Okay, well Mario, please email me your, your address, that's theteleverse at gmail.com, and I can get you your prize to you, and uh, once I figure out what it is, and have it shipped, I'll get it to you uh, within this next week, um, and then hopefully we'll, I, I'll see, I think we should do some sort of like a traveling prize you know that you ha- we have one trophy or something that moves around depending on who wins each time i think that could be kind of fun but let it let yeah. me know what you guys think if you particularly if you participated in the pool this year or if you're thinking about doing it next year um it definitely always makes it more fun for me let's talk about a little bit about the voice though I, they had the live shows the first of the live shows this uh last night and i thought it was actually pretty good for the most part uh the standouts were uh, for me were Amber and uh and definitely Michelle she she destroyed that uh that version of True Colors and um and Sarah was getting a lot of praise while she was singing Angel and her immediate comments afterwards but I think you just need to look at Sarah and Michelle's performances and they're both theoretically very emotional, very stripped down performances but if you listen to them Michelle's is very specific and very very keyed into the lyrics and the the meaning whereas Sarah's is not at all. She's she clearly knows the song very well and so she feels comfortable to just do whatever she wants with it regardless of what she's actually singing and that was a frustration to me. So when you have you are born from the the wreckage of the silent reverie you're she sings you are born from the wreckage but she emphasizes from. You are born from the wreckage. Why, of, of that sentence, from is the least important word. And she gets incredibly strong as, as soon as she sings uh, Let Me Be Empty, Oh, and Weightless. So she puts the most weight on the word weightless in that sentence. It, it, I don't know. Things like this, are, that really, they're important. And those, paying attention to what you're trying to say and what this is supposed to be about is what being a musician means and uh I don't know so th- so there were w- when you're singing a song like like uh angel it's it's not about standing in a very ethereal looking dress with backlighting and being in tune and and uh having a lovely tone to your voice you also need to be saying what is this uh, song specifically about what are you trying to say and not just a generic Oh, you know, I miss my friend who died and maybe because she does have that extra level of emotion tied into it, she wasn't able to kind of take look, you know, step back and really analyze what she was singing or maybe just cuz she's so comfortable with it, she doesn't have anybody telling her that you need to make sure that you are thinking about every single choice that you make and that's what it means to be a musician. But I don't know, watch it because I went back and I watched it a second time at first. The first listen, I, I was more positive on it the second time. It just felt like showing off unintentional showing off, but still showing off. Whereas when Michelle sang, uh true colors in the first verse, she emphasized most. Uh, that's why I love you, because that's the most important thing in the second verse. The thing she emphasized most is don't be afraid, because that's the most important thing there. Or a second refrain. Sorry. So throughout the entire performance, the two big moments are I love you. And don't be afraid, because that is what the song is about. And and so when you when you compare those two performances, that's that's the difference for for me between somebody literally taking my breath away and somebody just singing a song. Um, and this come, ties in with American Idol this week. I, I watched some of the some of it because of the Harry Connick Jr. hoopla, and they just when the when those judges on American Idol, Idol are basically telling the contestants. That Harry Connick Jr. His comments about how to sing standards were screwing them up, and they shouldn't have listened to him. I just was like ready to pull my hair out.
1: <laughs> what exactly was the hoopla? Because this is the first time hearing about
2: it. Oh, so so they did then and now. And and so they had to sing songs for 2013, and then they sang songs, standards from the Great American Songbook. And so you have, you know, Someone to Watch Over Me, Stormy Weather, you know, these kinds of really great, amazing songs. And like one of the people saying My Funny Valentine, and he's coaching her on it, And she, he goes, okay, wait, wait, what does this song mean? And she she didn't know. He's like, okay, what is this lyric? Is your figure less than Greek? What does that mean? And she's like, uh, I guess he's being funny? No, this is not a this is not a difficult lyric. You need to know what you're singing, and and so he told her about it, and and you know he was like, okay, this is this is the background of the composer. This is what the song's about. This is, and and then you know, and it was giving her comments about before you can take time, before you can change the melody, before you can do whatever you want rhythmically, you need to know the song. You need to know the piece before you can know where it's okay to take time, and where it's okay to change notes, and what changing changing something is going to mean in the context of everything else you're singing and then they promptly went and sang in the performance and ignored most of what he said and they sounded pretty terrible too uh so because <laughs> and, and and the judges you know the panel their panel of people on american idol are sitting there telling them you sound amazing you your beautiful voice and you're so because basically they were in tune and they had decent tone but i'm sorry that is the starting point you can't get a job if you can't play in tune if you can't sing in tune you need to do more than that. I don't know. I get I get really frustrated listening to because everything Harry Connick Jr. is saying, I'm like, yes, preach it. Music is more than just notes. Um, and then they promptly, yeah, it's, and so eventually there was a, the hoopla was, um, they basically for one of the songs specifically Stormy Weather, went down the line and all said varying levels of. You should have just not listened to Harry Connick Jr.'s notes and just done what you wanted and be true to yourself. And so then there was a bit of a sparring between Randy Jackson and Harry Connick Jr. and it was hilarious. And Randy's wrong, so uh, that's what that was about.
1: Ah, I think I need to get myself to a to a YouTube machine.
2: Yes, yes, I would definitely agree with that. Also, the other thing I wanted to mention in the voice, I I've been enjoying the hell out of watching Usher Coach's team because he's doing things like having people do push-ups. I don't have my students do push-ups; I have them run stairs, but then try to then play immediately after running uh, for that same thing. Being able to play with when your heart is up, when you're nervous, when you're in, you know, it's a good way to to simulate that. Uh, I love. He had them. You know doing push ups working on core, talking about the diaphragm strength and all of these different things. Where I'm like, "Yes, this is important stuff for singers. It's not just stand in a room and belt, you have to do your homework too if you're you know it's really hard to 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 handle all the your elements of posture if you're not in good shape and I can't imagine trying to sing if you don't have good cardiovascular strength you know, health you know so that so I really enjoyed that. I have my students play in front of a mirror all the time uh to watch their technique and really notice pick up things that they you know they may be uh aren't noticing because they're so in in their own head so i've I've been very much enjoying that so wanted to mention that way to go usher um anyways let's let's move on to to our week in drama
0: don't you feel 300 pounds lighter
2: i don't honestly don if i could deal with him you could deal with him and what now i went through all of that for nothing
1: Joan, don't worry. I will win this. Just once. I would like to hear you use the word we. Because we're all rooting for you from the sidelines. Hoping that you'll decide whatever you think is right for our lives.
2: This week in drama, we have Hannibal, Entree, and Mad Men for immediate release. We're gonna, of course, talk about Rectify in our spotlight, so we'll get to that a little bit later. First, I want to mention Scandal because that was the third show that that was in the Make Kate watch stuff poll, and and uh, this episode, um, I was very glad that they finally pulled the trigger on Melly and you know going you know live about the affair, going to the press, um, just because. I didn't really feel like they were ever going to do that. So I'm glad they have have gotten at least some of that out of the way. Um, I don't care about Olivia and Fitz at all. And I've seen enough of the show that I should. But I, I don't really buy into that relationship. It feels like a very emotionally abusive relationship. And because I like Olivia, I I kind of need her to stop doing the same stupid mistakes with, with Fitz. I guess I just haven't bought into them as this, you know, this true love relationship and so when she keeps doing things that i know are going to to destroy her emotionally it's hard to it's hard to get invested um so other than that I, I did like a lot of this episode like i really like what they're doing with scott foley i like what they uh are doing with with the whole team and how josh is kind of <laughs> on the outside of what everybody else is talking about so that's been fun um so yeah it was it was enjoyable i'm glad they made of a couple of decisions that they made this week um I don't know how invested I am in some of the relationships, but I am curious about the whole Albatross thing. So at least there's, you know, baby steps there that into getting me more tied in for the last two episodes of the season. I will probably watch the last two episodes of the season. So good work, Mario and everybody else who voted for Scandal. Um, I'll give my thoughts on those, I guess, uh, after the finale. But let's move on to Hannibal Entree. Uh, So you still on the fence? (laughs)
1: Ah, uh, kind of isn't it funny to think about the, the 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 path that life takes when we when we think about Dave Foley and Scott Thompson to throw <laughs> that out there uh, anyway, the uh, this week, I mean, it it, conti- it continues to be a really beautifully executed show. I felt really bad for Anna Chlumsky, uh, because she's great. And I mean, obviously she's got veep and she's great on Veep, but it's uh, it's it nice to see at uh, in sort of a much more dramatic role than we're used to seeing her lately. but then, you know, it's. I guess we're probably not going to be seeing a whole lot more of her. Uh, or, <laughs> yeah. I hope
2: we aren't. <laughs> I mean, I mean, she could theoretically still be alive. She's not alive. She could theoretically. She's still be in alive. a freezer somewhere, Bernie style.
1: Probably yes, um, but or at least yeah, at least one arm short. But um, other than that, I mean, I I was actually surprised when the episode ended because it felt like there was still more to go when that happened. So I guess that's a good sign. It means that. The show's humming along really nicely. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm still waiting to... uh, Did you happen by any chance, to uh, check out the missing episode?
2: Yes, I did. Um, I thought it was actually good. I can see why they pulled it. Um, It doesn't tie in very specifically to the Boston bombings, but it... You know, it's disturbing. You have family members killing family members, and I can see pulling that in favor of one that's just more like a psycho doing stuff as opposed to traumatized children being twisted into violent actions. You know, um, so I, I, yeah, I thought it was good. I thought Melly Shannon was good. I was a little nervous that, that she was going to be a heightened kind of role. I liked her subdued performance in that, um, and I really like this episode. I th- I think uh, that they're clearly playing with Silence of the Lambs here, and with uh, the Cleary Starling role, and that's that's I think they did a good job with it. I like the apparently the surprise of the way that she discovers Hannibal, which is apparently the way that Will discovers Hannibal in the book. So I that, you know I thought that was a fun little nod and shows that they're probably gonna do something very different for him that was fun
1: yeah and i I think especially the the way that they make you think of clary starling and then her fate is super unsettling for sure yes
2: certainly certainly um and i yeah i'm looking forward to seeing more and i you know i also like a lot what we get with with jack this week i think they've done a really good job of fleshing out his character it's just wonderful to see Lawrence Fishburne get some some really good material to work with and i can't wait to watch more
1: Right, uh, and but uh, I guess while we're on the topic, the ratings are horrible. Yes.
2: Yes, the ratings are not good. the The only hope, really, at this point, is that it's the rule of hand, uh, of NBC can't cancel everything, and this is a very critically praised show for them. So, you know, that's that's kind of what I'm hoping for. There,
1: <laughs> but it's also Brian Fuller, so I have my doubts.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I'm also going to be very interested to see what happens with the ratings if anything when the show is continuing while everything else is off the air because this is going to run into june so we're only on episode what six five five or six and everything else is pretty much ending in the next two weeks and we're gonna have i'm sure they'll show the full 13 if nothing else so maybe if the ratings pick up um this could become sort of like a, a summer show for them or something else like that where they can pull it out um at a a specific time of the year on a specific day. Like I feel like this is a show that would not be hurt greatly by moving to like a Friday because it is such a small and I would expect very loyal audience. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens with it, but I'm just, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for a season two, but if nothing else, I I really think they're going to show every episode. They don't have something else to put on. There's no reason really for them to pull it. And uh, and I, I believe that Fuller will, have crafted each season, you know, like crafted this to be one complete season. Um, so I look forward to, to seeing, you know, how how he wraps things up, knowing that this is going to, would have been a hard sell for season two anyways. Yeah. Let's move on to Mad Men. And for immediate release, everyone seems to very much love this episode. I was more uh, on the whelmed as opposed to over uh, or under. Uh, what did you think?
1: Whelmed, eh? Yes. Um, yeah, I thought it was quite good. Um, so far, I mean, it's a little bit uh, unfortunate when I think about the middle stretch of last season, which was just, like, amazing. jaw-droppingly amazing. Uh, like, every week just just topping itself. And I don't think we've gotten a single episode that's even approached that part of this, of that, like, five-episode stretch, uh, which was just, yeah, which I think was the show at its best, period. Uh, and this episode, I think, was, was good. Yeah. Um, Although, the ending with the merger, I think, I mean, it's smart for them to, to do a merger, but uh, I, was, I wasn't I was really sold on how effortless, effortlessly it seems to come together. And like, we don't get any input from anyone who isn't Don or what's his name? Dick Van Dyke? Ted. Um, Ted. <laughs> um, we don't, yeah, we don't hear from anyone who isn't them. I mean, we do get Peggy's reaction, which is fantastic and and, and perfect, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> exactly what it should have been. Um but uh, I, it just seemed too easily accomplished. Although I am very curious as to what they're going to call themselves.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, you know they have five names now, so I don't know if that really works for initials. But the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 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 episode I liked a lot of it. I think the performances, as ever, were were very good. I think some of the what we get. It's really interesting. I thought it was such a funny and hilarious touch to have um, Peggy's fantasy of Ted. He's reading something by Emerson, <laughs> which yes. is just hilarious. Uh, you know, but but parts of it, yeah, as great as it is to watch um, to watch Pete fall down the stairs, and I love that gift by the way. So thank you, the internet, for that. I I don't I don't feel like so, certain of these big moments really worked. Joan's big moment didn't work for me. I didn't. I didn't really buy it. And Christina Hendricks is an amazing actress and that's a really emotional scene. So I should have, and I can't quite put my finger on why I didn't. Um, and so there, there were a couple different spots like that. And, and also the, the kiss with, with Ted and Peggy, I, I that scene, Ted seemed off to me in, in that. I don't know. I, maybe I need to watch, I mean, and I did watch it twice. So I I was trying to figure out, you know, what was kind of bothering me. I don't know. I felt like Joan wasn't, she felt very big and uh, that, that is a a big moment for her, but it felt, it felt too actively. I didn't buy the emotion of it, I guess. And Ted in, in that scene with, with Peggy, I don't know. It, it, again, that felt, it felt, both felt stagey. They felt, They didn't feel as authentic as they should have. Um, And nobody else seems to have this problem. Everybody else seems completely in love with everything about this episode. I did really like a lot of it, though. And just the Pete scenes alone, like his his father-in-law, really, really, father-in-law, Pete's going to do the right thing. Do you know this guy at all?
1: (laughs) That was, you know, what's funny, though, is I feel like just by saying I know you'll do the right thing, I feel like he's able to to pressure him into possibly doing the right thing just by shaming him into it. I feel like it might work, um, but you're, you're looking at me like, no, but no. maybe we'll see. Uh, but I, I did everything with the whole mutual—it's oh, mutually assured destruction. Like the way that just didn't pan out at all was just so <laughs> great. Uh, yeah. And, and just the, the I, I love how there's just no winner there. Like, yes, obviously your father-in-law is a horrible hypocrite, but you're still Pete Campbell.
2: So, well, And okay, so the trouble with that is mutually assured destruction only works if both people have an equal thing to lose. You're cheating on his daughter. Yeah, I think he doesn't care if his wife finds out that he cheated. I think he cares more about protecting his daughter than than protecting his wife. You don't know their relationship. His wife might already know that he's been cheating or that he's been seeing prostitutes. He's going to protect his daughter before everything else.
1: Yeah, it's 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 very ill conceived, and the way the way it, it rolls out is is just fantastic. And yes, obviously the 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 fall was one of the one of the best single moments of the of the whole season. But I also liked. Um, I, I didn't really have a problem with the Jones scene. I mean, it's if they're committing to. I, I wasn't really a fan of the whole development with her at the end of, the, of last season. But if they're going to have that be what happened, I think it's going to result in all kinds of unpleasantries and big unpleasantries. um big public awkward unpleasantries and if that's gonna happen it should be uh, you know it, it, it should be outsized and it should be public and and weird and and uncomfortable and I, I think they they sold that and I, I heard other people having a problem with her snapping at Don because you, you're it is correct that it wasn't Don's Don Dawn was against the whole thing from the beginning. But I, I did like that everyone's just getting sick of his shit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, oh, like, uh, you know, as as much as Pete's a dick, he was absolutely right when he said something to the effect of, you know, don't pretend that you had this under control because you totally don't.
2: <laughs> well, and and it makes complete sense for Joan to be angry with him. I think she's absolutely justified. And it does. yes, Don wanted nothing to do with the whole Herb situation to begin with, but he acted... Without consulting her on, on the ultimate thing that should concern her, that she should yeah. have a voice in, she should have a choice. And watching this episode, I just got more frustrated at Don over the course of it. Yes, he does some savvy business moves, but once he takes nothing, he takes nothing from that scene with Joan because he promptly does the exact same thing again. Yeah, like five ten minutes later in the episode.
1: Yeah, I I'm mean, I'm beginning to think that uh, that the, the the Mad Men series finale will end with some sort of it tu, brute. <laughs> moment of everyone just being like fuck this guy but
2: well anyway. i feel like the audience is kind of already there uh any any other specific elements of the episode you wanted to mention
1: Um uh, not really I, i'm i'm hoping that i think that the the reason everyone gravitates towards this episode is because it was actually fun mm-hmm. uh and you know stuff happened and um and there there was a lot to react to it wasn't just people being miserable in yeah, you know, in very uh considered um in very considered shots so maybe we'll get a week or two more of that and that'll be good but i i think i think in terms of it being on par with last season i think that battle's already lost yeah has been for a while
2: definitely a blessing i'll mention is megan's mom with roger that was hilarious yes. and uh more of that please
1: yeah julia ormond's really good yeah um in general and we we haven't really gotten a lot with roger and john slattery is so good yeah um and we need more of him, please.
2: Certainly. Okay, so what wins the week in drama for you?
1: Um, between those, not counting what what actually won out for the week, I guess I'll go with Mad Men.
2: Yeah. I guess I will, too. I, I did really like Hannibal, but, it, you know, most of this episode of Mad Men was, was fantastic, so I'll give it to Mad Men. So we'll take a break, listen to a little music, and come back with our spotlight on Rectify.
0: I'm sorry. I'm not trying to do anything.
2: Oh, it's okay. Everybody
0: needs to be helped. It does something to you not to be touched in any positive way for so long. You begin to vacillate between being repelled by touch and seeking it out in any form, even the most negative.
2: I'm so sorry.
0: I hear you. You're, you're the only touch that soothes me. I know that's not proper.
2: Well, hugging every once in a while is okay, I think. Maybe just keep trying with others. Okay, I will. Hey, and I can still give you a ride home. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I
0: think I'll... see you tomorrow? Yes, I'll be here.
2: That was the theme song to Rectify, which is in the spotlight this week. And this week, the episode is Plato's Cave. In a lot of the discussion of the season from people who had screeners ahead of time, there was this continuing thread of religion being uh, an important part of, of the season. And that hasn't really come up in the show until now. And watching this episode, I can see why, because it's such a wonderful uh, element to this episode and such a wonderful highlight and... Um, I don't know. I'm so so glad to see that element to, uh, to Southern life and just just American life thrown in. I was really glad to see that. I thought this episode was fantastic. And that was particularly the highlight for me. Uh, what did you think?
1: Uh, yeah, I think that I, I think this is the best episode we've gotten so far. And I think the the religious aspect, uh, most of it we get through Tawny, Um I think that stuff was all fantastic. And it's amazing how much of this episode was just people walking and talking to each other. Uh, in a in a very casual fashion, I think um, I think we got it it brought the best out of the performances uh, that we've gotten so far and I, just so many great moments I, I mean, I think it clinched the spotlight for me actually even before we got to the religious stuff when we just had the um the montage of Daniel and his mother played by J Smith Cameron, who is so good um, just walking through I guess a Walmart or like a a, a no name TV show equivalent of a Walmart. <laughs> And you know the, we're so used to—I mean, for, I mean those are horrible places in real life—and we're used to seeing them depicted as horrible places on television—and then just to to have someone approach it as sort of an alien, who's you know even you know twenty years ago there was no such thing, and you know to to, to realize that there's now a place where you can have everything. And it's all it just just to try to imagine how overwhelming that would be. And I think they did such a great job with that from with the performance, the cinematography, the music, which I don't know if you knew what the music was. Um, but um, the I, I just thought it was fantastic. And I love the um, the perspe- the behind the head shot of him looking at the uh, the video game, for instance. And I also noticed that he's playing um, a Sega Genesis game at the beginning of the episode. And later, he's he's seeing a, he's seeing the same characters regurgitated in a new game. Which I thought was a really nice touch.
2: That would be Sonic. Yes, specifically, I have I have fond memories of, of playing Sonic uh, when I was a kid. The uh, yeah, this was an excellent episode, and I mean, aside from I already mentioned that I I loved the discussion of faith. Oh my God, just we love Tawny. We tolerate Teddy. <laughs> uh, was, yes,
1: I love that.
2: Oh my God, the maybe the line of the week, but it was so wonderful to to get a our first real sense of that relationship between the mother and the son. I feel like we haven't gotten a a handle really on her until, until this week. And it was, it was, I think much needed time spent with her. And I mean, as much as I've really enjoyed Abigail Spencer on the show, I think it was good to have, she's such a strong presence in that family. I think it was good to have some time away from her.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, 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 As I didn't even mention it last week, I think my favorite line from last week was um, Abigail Spencer's "Really?" when um, when Adelaide Clemens says something about "Oh, you," I'm so impressed by you or whatever. Which, <laughs> that was that was great. And this week, I think was, was full of great little moments like that. And you know, the whole time that I've been watching the show, I've 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 been thinking, I wonder what Walton Goggins would have been like. I mean, uh, Ray McKinnon had him in mind for that role, and I can see. That, like, I, I get it, but I think Aiden Young has been so incredibly good in this role, and I think that comes out uh, strongly this week. I actually think he's a better choice for the role, frankly, um, as much as I think Walton Goggins is amazing. Um, obviously, see all of our justified reviews, uh, but just his, like, his, his, I would kill for this guy's speaking voice. Like, I, I love the way his, his, he's uh, eloquent but slow, and I think that's, but not, uh, but not, but never pretentious. Never, seem, never seeming like he's thinking too much about what he has to say. And uh, I think just, just watching him, s- seeing Daniel in these long scenes with Tawny, just walking along the grass and talking about faith. I think that stuff was just so good in a non condescending fashion. And uh, I also loved that. Um, I mean, as much as I, I have problems with Teddy the character. Uh, I was. I was thinking to myself, oh, maybe they won't have him um, go off with this woman while he's on this trip, and then that's what they did with it, and I was so pleased uh, because it was—it's it, the counterintuitive choice, and it's also the correct one, I think.
2: Yes, definitely, definitely, and it, you know, it—it it would maybe that is the kind of guy Teddy is—that he would go just go out and sleep with some random person. We I don't know how well we know the character, but it's certainly that—that that lets the audience off if you do that. And so I like that they don't. And, oh, you know, I think talking about the, the central performance, yeah, he's doing such an amazing job. I love that. It's like, it's like you said, he takes time. He's, he's, he's considered, I would say in his speech and in his, his, his thoughts and his approach to to other people. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's, he doesn't take too long. He takes the correct amount of time <laughs> so yeah and every, everybody's brains sort of function at different speeds you know stick some extra coffee in me and i'm i can talk really fast if this seems fast this is nothing and and that's that's just not who he is and i think more of us would benefit from taking a little more time before we started talking and and, and so that it's just a, sort of No, i would it's a refreshing thing, and because time is money on television, you don't usually see that. They're usually, you know, they want to have the fastest, you know, thing that they can do without it hampering the show. That's why you get, you know, Gilmore Girls bun heads. That's a very Amy Sherman-Palladino thing. But really, if you turn on any TV show, I can't think of any other character who talks as deliberately as as the people on, on Rectify.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and also there's just scenes of outright silence, which is mm-hmm. also sort of a TV no-no. Like, I love the scene of daniel and his mom in the car just stuck there mm-hmm. and the reporters not knowing what to do with that and um just you know because they can't move because it, you know he he recognizes that she's underst- she quite reasonably panicked and no let's just take a second and they're like i don't know what to, to do with this it's like, well, <laughs> tough shit like this is this is what this is the strategy we're going to take i also like you know, before i was complaining about sort of the the villainry on the show. And we have the sheriff actually being a sheriff this week, which mm-hmm. was, uh, which was nice. Um, also the reappearance of Sean Bridges who, you know, Deadwood people always good to see. And yeah, I, I really have no complaints. And I'm, I've, I've heard people say that next week's is even better. So I'm, if that's true, then I'll be very impressed.
2: Definitely. And also
1: we should mention, it's been renewed for a second season of 10 episodes, which what, what? Is, which is news to me. And I was, I was concerned about that because as much as I've been enjoying the show, I'm thinking, this is the pace for a much longer season. This is not the pace for a 6 episode show, clearly.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that they'll come to some sort of a conclusion or some sort of there that there's some sort of an arc you know, over the course of these six, just, you know, or a pa- you know, a pausing point, not even a stopping point. That'll make sense. I mean, I trust Ray McKinnon enough for that. He's, he's earned that trust over these past three episodes. Um, but yeah, certainly there's nothing, nothing's going to be resolved in no. six episodes. We're not going to have an answer about what happened or what didn't happen or anything else in, in well, six and, episodes. And, and,
1: and how do you think you would feel about the show if it turned out that he'd done it?
2: I think it would be very interesting. And I, I
1: would agree, I would agree with you. I, I think we'll have much more to say on that if and when that happens. But.
2: Yeah, certainly, and and especially in uh, tying in with you know a character like Tawny, we have talked about Tawny. Did we talk about that hug?
1: No, we didn't talk about that hug. Uh, that is clearly one of the most loaded and awkward hugs in television history. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, yeah, I don't know if you've ever had a hug like that, but it's I I, I think I've been there.
2: Well, it is just it's so perfectly full (laughs) of emotion well no but it's just it's it's a it's very raw that's that that just that encounter is very yeah that's the only Uh, uh, word i can say and it feels so truthful
1: i i was happy that 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 he didn't just do it and then like run away i was glad they took a second to be like no okay this is what's happening yeah like i need like he he knows that he has to elaborate so that it's not just going to be horrible between them forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we, and we also haven't discussed the very ending of the episode, which I thought was so good.
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah. That, that was, um, yeah, it was, it was really, it was really interesting. And um, especially if it turns out that he did it, that's going to make it even more interesting, I think. But that, that, you know, that encounter with, with the, the friend or something from high school was, yeah, I can't, I, I feel. <laughs> Not, I feel. This makes me feel one. like a stupid person. I just keep saying interesting, but you, you want to. You want to seem like it's weird or like, how is she messed up that this is what she's she's wanted to do or she's thought about this before? She's happily married. She says, "Yeah, I don't know what what was their relationship in in high school," but but it doesn't. The show doesn't judge her at all. No, it, it's it's just it's a, it's a you know. It's a, just an outside voice, just kind of peeking in a window, without feeling uh, voyeuristic either.
1: Yeah, the heart wants what it wants, man. She, she wants to have sex with an with an ex-con because it's something she's been thinking about. Why not? Well, uh,
2: she wants to have sex with somebody she clearly knew very well in school. Yes,
1: that also. Um, and I I I loved her like her her self consciousness about her appearance mm-hmm. and just the fact that it's been twenty years and she's you know grown up like an adult and mm-hmm. you know not not like a like a, like an, like an average adult i guess you might say like hasn't you know she's not, she's not a supermodel and she knows it and she's not 16 anymore or whatever and she's very self-conscious of that in that moment and that that felt very real uh, i will say the one development that i wasn't crazy about was uh we learn a little bit about the um the victim this week and find out that she was very promiscuous especially for her age which feels a lot like a lot of other things that we've already talked about and I'm hoping that they don't mm-hmm. there are things they can do with that that I'm hoping they don't and um I'm confident they won't but I'm still a little concerned
2: yeah yeah it it feels a little bit like the, the one of the things we loved about top of the lake is that they didn't go that way and uh with with their their victim on on the that show and so yeah we'll see hopefully it's just there to make the picture more interesting and not to um, not to make the story again, easier. Yeah. We'll see, but it's going to be fun. Yeah, definitely. Well, a few show notes before we go to our season spotlight on the American Season 1 with Randy Dankovich from Process Media. Of course, our intro and outro music is Sweet Petite by the Bicycles. You can find us at soundonsite.org. There will be a post up there where you can leave us comments. We would love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you would stop by iTunes. We have both an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed there. We would love to get some ratings or reviews. It really does help other people find the show. You can also support us by liking us on Facebook. Answer the poll, maybe make me watch stuff see what see what you can inflict on me this week i didn't put anything there's no the following this week there's nothing that's going to be quite that painful but but you certainly some different shows to have some fun with you can also support us by just you know sharing the podcast you know put it out on facebook retweet we appreciate any of that speaking of twitter you can find us there i'm at the televerse you are
1: at sucker howell
2: and what should our question be this week
1: you know, as P- you, you and I think and and talk a lot about uh about exercise and things like that. So I'm curious, how many hours do you people actually spend watching television? Oh god. <laughs> I want honest accounting here. It's a
2: lot. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, think about it. Add that shit up.
2: Oh man, one time I added up the amount of hours of my life I've spent uh watching Buffy and it wasn't hours and it wasn't even days it, it was, was weeks, over a wasn't week it? yeah <laughs> 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 but i regret nothing i regret nothing uh so yes that's oh god that will be a fun question uh please don't make me answer cuz it's just gonna it's gonna hurt me to to look at my productivity like the number of hours a week i spend practicing or exercising as compared to watching tv
1: yeah think about that shit
2: Anyways, okay, that's the question. Let us know. Um, (laughs) Now we will take a quick break, listen to some music and a clip, and come back with Randy Dankovich to talk The American Season 1.
0: The greatest threat the United States now faces is the Soviet Union. Hello? The Americans have no
2: intelligence.
0: Undercover agents hiding all over the U.S. No one has any idea who they are. Well, they look like us. They speak better English than we do. Maybe there's another way.
1: I would lose everything before I would betray my country. You're
2: my wife. Is that right? <laughs> We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kulzik, joined as ever by Simon Howell, and this week we are taking a look at season one of The Americans, which has just concluded this past week, and here to help us with that is Randy Dankovich from Process Media and Sound On Sight, where he was covering uh, The Americans for us. Randy, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me.
2: So the Americans just finished up its run and, um, at least, you know, we've been heaping praise on it over here at the televerse, but it seems like one of the, the stronger first seasons we've had in a while. What was your take on this season?
0: Yeah, I agree. It was surprisingly good. I expected it's kind of, um, considering when they, you know, announced it last year, they announced the cast. I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then I heard the premise of the show and I was like, well, that's, that's difficult because recently, you know, at least on networks, um, not so much on cable but still it's been a, a bit, at least a bit of a problem that period shows have kind of suffered they haven't really done what people have expected them to they've relied too much on their setting or the big acting names and you know this had both of those so i was a little wary going into it and just the first 10 minutes of the pilot were enough to show that this wasn't going to be your typical you know like pan am or the playboy club or something like that that premiered last year you know, this was the real show where Oh, I already forgot those existed. Films. Yeah,
2: I had blocked those out, Randy. So thanks for that. <laughs> Another one that comes to mind is of course Copper, a similar with similar issues, there, uh reli over reliance on its time period in particular, the trappings of it.
0: I even think a show like a good show like Boardwalk Empire runs into issues with that sometimes. You know, they fall a little too yeah. in love with their costumes and their landscapes. And I was afraid that the Americans was going to do that, and they managed to pack in as much detail as most of those shows do about their time period, but they do it in such a subtle way that it never feels like they're, you know, and there's a few times in the pilot, you know, when she's wearing guest jeans or, you know, something like that, there are a few times where they're saying, okay, look, we know what the 80s were like, but they they had a really good, they had a really good feel of what the 80s were like without trying to make a point of it.
2: Well it's such a logical setting for a sort of spy show if you want to do one. I feel like at this point especially after having seen this, you know, season of the Americans and enjoying it so much, I'm going to have trouble watching most spy shows that aren't, you know, hyper uh, you know, either it's set now and everybody is listening to everybody and has all these ridiculous gadgets such that it feels like in, like an 80s or 90s James Bond movie or you need to scale it back and go to an earlier time period like the Americans does where that wasn't an option where you couldn't just call a cell phone or a sat phone and solve your problems this way. It gives us so much more leeway for these characters uh, to, to really do some spying and uh, while at the same time be able to function as a, a television show where characters need to tell each other how they feel in actions, if if not in words. And I feel like along with the Cold War drama, which always adds a bit of fun, I feel like that's the single biggest reason to set this in the 80s, because I feel like the what this show is actually about, and everybody says this about the Americans, it's not like we, this is anything new, but this is a story about a marriage, and you could tell that story, I feel like, at almost any time it's a universal theme. And so it's been it's really interesting to watch with the combination of cultures. And I mean, even with that element removed, it's just, this is a struggling kind of messed up marriage. And I think that could be said anytime.
0: Yeah. I think the, um, the, the cold war setting is a really interesting, you know, thing that I, I'm surprised that more shows haven't tried to cover because it's one of the most interesting time periods in our history in terms of like military or espionage or things like that, because we've, we're fighting a war that wasn't really a war. I mean, one of the big points about the season when we're, you know, away from the relationships, when they're doing spy stuff, is just how people are great at getting information, but nobody knows what to do with it. And every single episode is people going out to, to complete these missions. And some, most of the time, you know, they're successful at completing their missions, but what does that real, what effect does that really have? You know, what repercussions does that have in this world? And it turns out that, they're really not that much like a lot of what they're doing just seems to on both sides, even though having the hindsight, we know that, you know, we quote unquote, won the cold war as, you know, the American side, you know, we see the ineptitude on both sides of it and the futility of both sides. You know, a lot of this is just, as they mentioned towards the end of the season, a lot of what they're doing is just it's smoke and mirrors.
2: Well, and it's also so at least entertaining for me. I don't know if other people get the same enjoyment out of this watching how frequently the, the misreads of the intel that they have come down to a basic lack of cultural understanding and a basic misread of the other's intentions or their, their, their priorities or their goals. And because there was this sort of, there's this sort of lack of understanding going on. Maybe it's the, the, the old, why can't we all just sit down at a table and, get along, right? <laughs> but but I, I do find that, you know, interesting that for a lot of, in the big way, for a lot of these conflicts that we see, it's people getting into their, in their own way, even more maybe than the other side getting in their way.
1: I think the most interesting thing to me about the Cold War setting is it's sort of the last time period where sides, uh, well, first of all, where we have clearly marked and identifiable sides represented by nation states rather than by terrorist cells or what have you and it's as a result it's also sort of the last time we see those sides worry and fret over what the rules might be and you know what line can they or can't they cross without expecting retaliation of a similar nature and that's something that people talk a lot about and then almost completely disregard and sometimes completely disregard but but in the end ultimately we know from history that you know things don't get too blown out of proportion, uh, at least on the scale that everyone is worried about. Whereas on a show like Homeland, obviously, because you're in the present and we're dealing with international terrorism, that's a a situation with no rules, which I guess grants you more freedom, especially because in their case, they're making things up out of whole cloth. But it's I think it's even a little bit more interesting to watch this world where things are semi structured, but not really, which uh, mirrors everything going on with with the Jennings uh, marriage quite nicely.
2: Well, and while you'd think perhaps that would make it less interesting, because we know the world didn't explode. Um, actually, I think most Americans don't actually have a strong sense of what was going on during the Cold War for 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 spies, or for you know, we we feel like we have some sort of sense of you know the craziness that can happen now, and because there's feels like there's more coverage of that. But I don't know about do you guys know anything about Cold War spying?
0: Well, I feel like that's one of those things that we're going to find out about, you know, 40 or 50 years from now when the documents, they start declassifying documents from it because that was one of those things, you know, it was a silent war. I mean, the public knew about it and they knew of the threats and they kind of had the basic gist of things. But we, as a country, I mean, obviously I wasn't alive then, but, you know, we had no idea what was going on. We don't, you know, this war was fought when secrets and phone calls and, in darkness, I mean, it's it wasn't one of those things where, okay, here's a battle line. You know, we're taking our troops here, and you can see this play out. Like, we didn't see it play out. That's what's so interesting about it. I think that's why it's made it so difficult for people to try and adapt it, because how do you capture that tone and make it feel like it's true to what's going, what was going on when we don't really know what was going on?
1: And I, I think I, I have to keep bringing back the, the Homeland comparison, but partially because I think that was the last show that had a first season that rival that that, that's on the same level with this one. And actually I think the Americans was better Um, if only because it was so much more consistent. And um, I I think that show has a credibility issue that the Americans doesn't as much because it's focused so much on these moments of confusion and miscommunications and uh, and these sort of smaller scale events that even if they feel a bit iffy, they don't have that ridiculously blown out sort of 24 style, um, you know, the world is in peril scale. So when things strain credibility, they don't do so in as destabilizing a way.
2: Well, and you also on Homeland have a somewhat unreliable narrator as it were in Carrie, whereas you feel much more grounded with these characters and it makes for a very different viewing experience um in certain ways uh homeland is can be a lot more fun maybe not season two for simon and i but season one definitely yeah you because know, you never quite knew what to expect and it could go to crazy town really quickly whereas the, there's always a feeling of of control to some extent at least for me with this the american season one yeah
1: well and, Cra- and crazy town has its downsides
2: yeah
0: i I think the two shows the Americans um plays on a much smaller scale in terms of its narrative than homeland does you know homeland is a very the u the the Americans is u s and Russia, and the entire season, save for some flashbacks in the one episode when Philip leaves town when he goes out of town to um meet his old girlfriend from Russia um those are the only times we're outside of d c and Homeland is a sprawling show it goes all over the place it does these big grand things with Characters and it's you know it's a very grandiose show in a way and I think I think that's why The Americans is a better show because it it plays on because you know it's more like you said it's more about relationships than it's actually about the spy stuff but they're doing spy stuff all the time it's just the stuff they're doing they're not. Trying to prevent um, a terrorist attack or something like that, they're trying to transfer information from one from point A to point B because everything that they're doing back then, you know, you can't just hit a button on your smartphone and you know move information from place to place. You know, you have to pick something up that you put somewhere, bring it somewhere else, deliver it to them, who and then they have to bring it somewhere else and so on and so forth. And I think that smaller scale makes it a. It makes what's happening more. It makes it easier to invest in because it's so much more grounded and so much more realistic than say. You know the beginning the middle of season two of homeland I don't want to get into details of it, but you know we all know what what happens in that show
1: well, and also the the technology is so much easier to keep track of in in terms of in terms of capability and in terms of you know like the the physicality of it uh, you know that makes the um, that makes the effort so much more palpable whereas uh, this is the last time I'm gonna bring up homeland but I felt like especially by by the season two mark of homeland, there was so much surveillance going on to such a degree that I started losing track of who could hear what when, and the show kind of did whatever they felt like they had to with that at any given moment, and there's that's not that really can't be a problem here, at least not to the same degree.
0: No, technology can be very convenient on dramas. Just look at a show like Person of Interest. Look at that. They don't have to write anything for when it comes to setting up a situation for that show because there's a computer in there that will tell them everything, including the people that they're looking for. So, you know, yeah. there's no information gathering or anything like that happening. And yeah, I think that's why there's so much more character interaction on a very, you know, the most grounded of levels on the Americans.
2: We haven't talked about the the finale yet. Let's let's jump in with that. I think it was, I mean, clearly they, they have shown they know how to make good episodes. I think it was an appropriately gripping and um, compelling finale. I loved the, the mislead and I thought it worked. I mean, I think most of you probably kind of connected the dots a little bit before, the characters since seeing as we had more information than them but still I thought it was very effective and uh yeah I'm looking forward to to what's to come for next year I just hope I hope I'm not the only one I really hope that that final shot isn't um I hope that's a mislead I think that needs to that reveal needs to happen further down the road
0: well plus and that has to happen on screen you can't end a season with her looking around and then season two starts and oh, if I found it like that's just not gonna work that's, I think that's it's just- not
1: I don't think that's what they're doing.
0: I think they're just presenting the idea that Paige is starting to wonder what's up with her parents. You know, well, there's, and, and... there's three scenes in that episode that get into that.
1: Joe Weisberg is, has said that um, apparently uh, in in the lives of, uh, it, you know, w- when you're in this sort of situation, when, when you're a spy and you have a kid, uh, at a certain age, basically you are enabled to tell them about it. Like it's, it's sort of, it, I guess it's a rite of passage that you can choose to put them through at some point. So... I'll be curious to see if they end up just having a sit down conversation about it with one or both kids or are they, you know, are they, are they going to tell Paige right away? Not Henry is Paige going to have to keep it a secret or are they going to, you know, there, there's so many possibilities there or will Paige find out and then not tell anyone, you know, there's, <laughs> they can, they can do that all kinds of ways. And I think any of them is, is, uh, has potential. Actually there wasn't a single decision made in the finale that I was unhappy with. And I have to say that the, Whole car chase sequence at uh, at the, about the midway point or a little after that was so awesomely staged.
0: Yeah, that was that was fantastic. Um, I wanted to mention about the the kids. I think that I, if there's one more comparison we can make, the Homeland it's with the children. How in the the first season of both of them, they were trying to kind of feel out what they could do with the kid. You know, there was in this show there was the episode in the middle where they go off on their own adventure and meet that kid that they drink beer with and then knock out and run away and they just kind of, you know, toss that at least for the time being. I don't really see, you know, they made a point with it then and then kind of threw away that part of the narrative, you know, never came to fruition. But I think this episode gave me a lot more faith, the finale, that next season they'll find something interesting to do with these kids because that was one of the big problems for me with Homeland Second Season is that the, the children on the show who kind of should have been becoming a more integral part as they matured, just became black holes, just complete waste of time. And I really didn't want to see that happen with Paige and Henry because you know, I think they did a little bit to establish um, Henry and Philip through the season, but they started They I feel like they were saving stuff between Paige and um, Elizabeth for this finale and for next season because I feel like they didn't interact enough through the first 12 episodes. And then the 13th episode it was like, okay, they pay attention to each other now, which is fine. I don't mind them doing it then, but I'm just glad that they're going to do it.
2: Yeah, it's very... It's a show that's far more concerned with Elizabeth and Philip and their relationship than the individual, like, all the various, you know, couplings you can have of Henry and Elizabeth and Paige and Philip and and the different dynamics in each of those. Because there's only so many minutes per episode, and if you're going to have, you know, things happen in the first season, like the main characters getting divorced... You're gonna have less time to to spend with you know doing homework and well separated to be clear sorry separated yes yes good point good important clarification um, yeah I I think there's a lot of interesting uh, beats to come with especially Elizabeth and and Paige um, and I, well, that's one of the the contrasts I most enjoy on the show just the fact that philip does feel so much more american in his relationship with the kids in his outlook he, you know he fits in well there which is why they chose him uh, for the mission uh, whereas elizabeth seems to have you know sometimes a harder time with with that side of things and when you have these very american kids there can be a disconnect. So I think there's a lot of interesting things to come there, but yeah, I guess it also, you know, I'm not too concerned about that. I'm sure that they they will handle it well in the next season. And uh, I look forward to hearing about it then, but I didn't really miss it this season.
1: Well, and also I think it helps that both actors are good. Yeah. Which is rare for this sort of situation.
2: Um, but
1: uh, uh, I'm trying to think of other, other stuff that happened in the pilot to discuss. I mean, uh, how very apple pie was that climactic Marco Martindale scene?
2: Oh, I loved it. That was great, and you know we've had almost nothing uh, about Claudia with without either Elizabeth or Philip there, and so I thought that was a they they kind of saved the that moment until the finale. They saved the finally we get a scene sort of from Claudia's perspective, and man, did they pay it off!
0: I really hope she comes back next season.
1: And she's I, I, and I loved when she says to um, when she says to Elizabeth. I know you better than you know yourself. I thought for a second, okay, well, that's sort of, that's that's a line I've heard before. You can do better. And then she follows it up but with- But it's true. Well, it's true. And then she follows it up with, and you don't know me at all, which was a nice save and also very true. And I, I think it totally, um, it, it goes to show something you said about a week ago, Kate, that she's smarter than Elizabeth, and I think therefore smarter than everyone else on the show.
0: It feels,
2: it felt very much like a grasshopper moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Like you may be, you may be able to beat the shit out of me, but I can I've still got one up on you.
2: Definitely, well, yeah, and, and definitely I agree, Randy. I'm, I I don't normally hope that people's jobs disappear, but <laughs> I really hope that that other show doesn't come together uh, in such a way that we don't get to keep having Margot Martindale on the show.
0: Uh, yeah. What did you guys think of uh, Arcady's plan to turn? Stan, I think that is the most interesting thing that they have moving into the second season. I am – that was such a fascinating little scene when he – you know, in the beginning when Nina, you know, she gets – they allow her to stay. That was really good, and um, then when he reveals his plan to turn Stan, it's just such an interesting idea because of the way they've shown Stan through the season as his marriage fails and – He continuously works his ass off at his job and doesn't get anywhere but failure. I mean, we see him take out his frustration by literally putting a bullet in the back of, you know, a young Russian kid's head. And he's got that hanging over his head. And now he's got the only person that he can really feels like he can trust in this world now that his wife is, you know, not trying to go to Jamaica or anything with him. um, is trying to turn him. She's trying to turn him to the KGB. And it's such an interesting move. I've been wondering why what they were trying to set up with Stan's character by having him kind of go in these, these dark holes when he's by himself. And, you know, they meant they at the beginning of the season, they, they, they throw in these little details about, you know, the messed up stuff he was doing before he came to counterintelligence. And, and I, I just really, I'm really fascinated to see how they develop this and how and where they take it. Are they going to really turn Stan against the FBI? I mean, how is Martha going to play into something like that? Like, those things are really, really interesting because they left so much, you know, they managed to produce a satisfying finale without having to show all their cards, which is very rare for a show to not want to do compulsively is to put out all these awesome plot lines for the next season and then either forget about what they were doing or just come up with these really trite conclusions to get them out of the way for the next cool stuff. And that the, the, um, the kernel really brings both of those together really, really well.
2: My initial thought with that was, Oh that's adorable. You think you can turn Stan. And then as I thought about it a little bit more, I I do think that that's something that could be really interesting and has potential, but I feel like that's a long-term plan. I want that I don't I don't want that to be anything less than like a two season, three season arc.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I can see that. But on the other hand, I feel a lot better about that prospect knowing that it's in the hands of Noah Emmerich because he's just been uh, so great throughout the whole season and has had some really tough material to handle, uh, which is not to slight any of the other uh, so, and I Actually, there isn't a single person on the show who isn't fantastic. I think in terms of ensemble cast, especially ensemble casts of people that we're mostly not familiar with, I think uh, they've all done some really stellar work from Annette, Annette Mahendru uh, to uh, Susan Misner, who plays uh, Beeman's wife, who is a regular next season, by the way, so I'm very curious to see what they're going to have her up to. Um, everyone's just been great, and also uh, Richard Thomas, who we talked about just a few weeks ago when we did when we talked about it. Um, he's been great too. Everyone's been great. It's just been uniformly awesome. I, I think the one of the great joys of The Americans for me has been how often have you been excited for a show just based on its premise and pedigree, et cetera, et cetera. And then in some basic way, it just ends up being average or just not everything you were hoping. And this is the first time in a long time that a show has been everything I was hoping and maybe a little bit more.
0: In terms of drama, the spring has been so much stronger than the fall was. There's been so many... There's been a number of decent to good dramas that have debuted in the spring as compared to what we got last fall.
2: It's been actually just just so much fun <laughs> the the tv this past uh sev- you know past several months has been fantastic you talked mentioned Noah Emmerich and some of these other cast members i want to specifically mention Allison Wright as Martha who takes what could be such a a slight character and makes her so real and fully developed it's a wonderful performance on such a smaller character on the show but we haven't talked at all about Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese and I feel like maybe we should talk about them a little yeah, bit let's, here. Let's do that. Well, let so we run obvious. out of time. You know
0: like, they're
1: awesome. They're so obviously great, and like we've been talking about that for thirteen weeks now. And I I don't I, I don't want to beat around the bush anymore. And I, I think that having them, I, I I think it was it was obvious to me at least that they were going to reconcile in some important way in this last episode. And I think that that was a smart thing to do. And I I think that they've said the showrunners have said that they're thinking about next season just having their being together just as a given thing so that they can explore more of the spy stuff and explore more stuff with the kids. And I think that's probably a smart thing to do. Because so I, I think as, as interesting as the troubled marriage stuff was, I think they maybe got most of the more interesting beats of that out of their system.
0: Well, and they find such a great way to end it. I mean, that moment at the end when she tells them to come home and rush them, that's such a, they play that moment so well without trying to make it too heavy or build up to it too much. They just kind of let it happen. And, I, if that's the last note they do with it for the whole you know, the marriage is troubled, that's that's a beautiful way to close it,
2: certainly. We're talking about Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese. obviously, I was a big fan of Carrie Russell starting out. I had. Seen very little of anything if anything, of Matthew Reese's work, or or at least not when I, you know, that I recognized as him. Uh, maybe I'll go back and watch some, you know, movie again and go, oh, it's Philip. Um, but he's been such a wonderful discovery for me on this show, just down to, to you know smaller characters like uh, you know Amador Maximiliano Hernandez, who is fantastic. And I mean, I don't know, it's just such, it's such a deep, consistent, and and you know, kind of fully fleshed out world. It's it's been so fun to to sort of to just spend that time. I don't. Know, I, I was expecting Carrie Russell to be amazing. I didn't know what to expect from Matthew Reese, and it's been just such a consistent performance. Uh,
1: you know, I do have one complaint about the season, though, and I, it's the same one that we started off with. And in retrospect, they could they they totally could have dodged it very easily. The whole uh, them being neighbors thing not really necessary, was it? I mean, they could they could have had Philip and Stan meet in some other way and nothing really would have changed, aside from the fact that we wouldn't have had the scene of Stan in the garage.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't really play much outside of the pilot. I think they kind of had that in the pilot as a dramatic hook and then carefully worked around it. You know, you see him inside each other's houses, but there's never, like, a shot of Stan standing outside staring at, you know, his neighbor's house or vice versa, people wondering about each other. They never really went into that kind of spatial dynamic, which I, I think you're right is a smart move. They didn't need to do that at all.
2: I do think it helps add an extra layer with the kids where even if if he's just if the Beemans are just a few blocks away, all of a sudden their kids probably are way less likely to be spending that kind of time together. Um at least based on my experience in neighborhoods, but you know, I do there is that, you know, that issue there. It has been well handled and that they've kind of played away from it, but I also think you have you're less likely to have, you know, scenes with with Sandra, uh, you know, the wife, Beeman's wife, and, and Elizabeth if they aren't as geographically close as they are. So, yeah, you know, I think they've they've handled it pretty well, and um, I didn't really bother me too much in the pilot, but but I for those who it did bother, I could see how they could have done it differently, I suppose. But I don't know. I, this is one of the, those things where I was just willing to give it to them.
1: Yeah, and I think we both said that at the time. And I, I just think, in retrospect, I, 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 if they'd managed to do more with Stan's kids and Elizabeth and Phillip's kids together, which they really didn't do that much with this season, but I suspect they'll do more next season. So if there's a whole lot more of that, then it'll feel like less of an issue to me.
0: Well, they'll be definitely be doing something with Paige and um, the Beeman's son, because they kind of toyed around with that very briefly in a few episodes. You know, in that last episode when... Um, the band's playing, and she's watching, and then that girl comes in, and all the guys mm-hmm. aren't off her, and she gets mad about it. You know, I feel like they were setting something up there for next year, but I don't know. I would like to see, like I said, I I want to see the Jennings kids be bigger, bigger presences, but I feel like if they do that, they might have to kill off somebody else like, like Nina, who I was afraid was going to die all season and didn't want to see her go because Annette Mahondra's performance is just so damn good.
2: Yeah, that was. I did keep kind of waiting for her to die. I mean, now I feel like she's totally safe because they need to have her to continue the, the will they turn Stan storyline. But uh, yeah, do you guys have any final thoughts about the season or uh, your hopes for next season or the finale in specific?
1: You know, one thing that I'm really impressed by is that that only just occurred to me is that all season we didn't have any interaction between the Jennings and Nina and I'm looking forward. I'm sure they're going to meet at some point next season, and I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting how they never, they never felt the need to pair off or do interesting things with characters. The only thing I miss, I will miss next season, is Gregory, who I was a character I really liked.
1: Yeah, Derek Luke did a Derek great Luke job, was and so good. It felt like he, he, as 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 effective as that episode was, it did feel to me like he left too soon.
0: It did because he just he they captured. Just so much with his character, you know, with his background, and you know, being involved in the civil rights movement, and just how he went from that to being involved with Elizabeth. I mean, he was such a great character. I mean, they sent him out in a blaze of glory. You know, they gave him a worthy exit. But I, he was a, he's a character I wish we could have seen for season two because I really liked him. So you know, could you imagine him working in Directorate S, like working in their office? That would be huge. That would have been pretty cool.
1: And also the the, the whole uh, the whole race issue and the way that the FBI interacted with that community or didn't, uh, and the intersection of them and and the and the KGB. That stuff was all fascinating. And now they don't really have an, a, a window to do that anymore.
0: And yeah, now it's just a really really white show.
2: <laughs> do you guys think Stan's going to get a new partner next season?
0: I think he has to get. A, I think they're going to pair a minority with him because, like I just mentioned, they don't have outside of the the two Russian characters and Nina and Arcadia, maybe Claudia if she comes back. They don't have anybody but white people on the show.
2: Well, and they very specifically had a gag about how Amador was the only not white person
0: exactly. in the office. Yeah, in the office. I need to fill that minority quota.
2: But we'll see what we'll, we'll see what comes of next. Next season, do you guys have a favorite episode you want to mention?
1: The uh, the, the finale was great. Uh, I should also mention...
0: Uh, well, Gregory, the first, episode three, Gregory is really, really good as well.
1: I I believe, yeah, Trust Me is the one where they, are, they get abducted by the KGB. That mm-hmm. was a really good one.
0: Yeah, but that one has the Paige and Henry with the kid. That was the one thing that... That would have been my favorite episode of the season, but that Paige and Henry when they go to the mall and drink beer with that kid it was annoying. I think the safe house one was really good when um, Stan is trying to figure out who killed his, um, who killed Amador. That was probably my favorite episode of the season.
2: I was really big on In Control when uh, Reagan got shot.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, no.
2: I thought that was a really interesting episode, and it's just—it's been a very reliable and
0: consistent season. It's been one of the most consistent seasons of a show, like any dramatic show I've seen in a couple years. I mean, it's been—it was—I can't think of one particularly one episode that sticks out as weak. And most shows have at least one episode during a season where you're like, "Okay, we really didn't need that."
1: Yeah, there were there were a couple episodes near the end where there weren't any like gasp, "Holy shit!" moments or anything like that, but there weren't any offensively bad episodes by any means whatsoever. It
0: never felt like they were just kind of twiddling their thumbs and waiting for no. time to pass before they get something important. They always found interesting things to keep things moving.
2: Yeah, Wigs. Well,
0: more wigs. Yeah.
2: Yes. How did we get half an hour into this and not mention the wigs? The costuming is fantastic and the makeup that goes with it. And those wigs are clearly magic, thanks to uh, Martha.
1: And even most of the aging makeup is good. Most of it
2: yeah de-aging yeah definitely well uh thank you randy so much for coming on i think we all agree the americans is awesome anybody who's listening to this and hasn't seen it should check it out over the the summer or over the rest of the year and come back in with season two when it comes back thank you so much for coming on randy where can our listeners find you online
0: um you can find me at process media you can find me at sound on site and to see where else i write because i write all over the web you can find me on twitter at process media
2: Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.